0: Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you, and God bless.
1: The bells of St. Mary's I hear that. Hello! Welcome to Red Sea Roundup, and I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm. <laughs> uh, we have a little bit different music opening up for us today, and the reason is that we, we are sitting in our studios, and uh, if you hear me uh, kind of look sound funny, it's because I'm turning around to look at the construction of the new St. Mary's Catholic Church. They are working on the bell tower today, and I understand from someone at St. Mary's that today or tomorrow is the day they're going to put the bells into the tower itself. Uh, so about three quarters of the framework is up now, and
2: uh, it's pretty cool. Yes, it is. We, we keep jeans back to the window so he stays focused. So I, I uh, purposely am facing the window at, in in awe of everything that's going up in front of us. And, and, and
0: those were the dulcet tones of Bing Crosby. Great oh, I American thought you were Catholic say Dennis Maka <laughs> from Dulcet no, tones. No, no, no. The song, the opening song oh, okay, from yeah. the great movie *Bells of St. Mary's, Mary's*, a yes. great Catholic yes.
1: movie. And I have in the studio with me today uh, two people that you probably both know very well: Dennis Maka, howdy, and and, <laughs> and Thaddeus Romanski, howdy, and they're they're trying to confuse folks here. Um,
2: very it, happy to be here with you, Gene. Today. And we've got this is Gene's
0: first time; it's his first time in the studio this year. My gosh first oh, now,
1: time. I hope I'm not too confused. Happy New Year everyone. Happy New Year, yes. And it it's so good to have you with us today and today is Wednesday January 12th and our saint of the day today is Saint Alred of Riveau and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Now Saint Alred uh, was uh, born in 11 11- Was old. he well read? Yes he was. He he is well read even to this day. Yes he is. Uh, he, uh, he was born in 1109 and died in 1167. Uh, he, uh, he started out his earlier life. He was a steward to King David of Scotland, who also happens to be a saint. Mm-hmm. And he did that for about 10 years. And then he had this calling to join this religious order that went to Reveaux, which was a fairly new religious order, the Order of Cistercians, who were a free oh. form of the Benedictines and okay. they came he came over they came over from france uh and established the uh, revo and at one point in time revo had as many as 500 monks oh my
0: that's a that's a large foundation that's, that's a large
1: group and he uh saint alred was charged with uh founding a a daughter uh monastery or abbey i'm sorry they're called abbeys for them uh, and he did that for 10 years, was elected the, the abbot there. And when the abbot of Raveau died, he came back to Raveau and was the abbot at Raveau. Uh, he, he, uh, Alred is noted for his intellectualism. He, he's sometimes called one of the late fathers of the church in that he wrote so many things and his sermons were so good. Uh, in one of the – if you look – uh, for him online the the basic information I have came from Catholic.com Saint of the Day and yeah. the other from other sources but uh, he uh, he his works are still being translated like into English and stuff things mm. like that mm. because they are so profound uh,
0: I think there's an online site called the Christian Classics Ethereal Library you can search that Christian Cl- Classics Library they have a lot of primary sources Yes. Um, there. Yeah. Digitally. So his his spiritual friendship and what's the other one? Mirror of. Mirror.
1: Mirror of mirror love. Mirror
0: of love. They might be there. Yeah. Uh, but it's, that, it's, those it's, ones that A, it's
1: A-E-L-R-E-D, right? A-E-L-R-E-D. A-E-L-R-E-D. That's how you, you want to search it. Aylred. And R-I-E-V-A-U-L-X. Sounds pretty simple. huh? R-I-V-O. Okay. So, as always, I tell you some who they are, what they are uh, patrons for. Yes. uh, Aelred suffered from kidney stones, so he's the patron of people with kidney stones.
0: Could you also invoke him to, you know, ward off kidney stones? I'm I'm
1: sure you could. Uh, From what I understand from people who've had them, kidney stones are very painful. That's what I understand, too. Uh, He is also the patron saint of people with same-sex attraction, and Mm. you have to do a little digging to find out how that came about, and Mm -hmm. I won't go into all the details here. Uh, so if you or someone you know is suffering from same-sex or is burdened with same-sex attraction, he would be a good patron to p- pray for. Yeah, and a great pray day, to...
0: also a great day then to pray for the courage ministry and yes. the encourage
1: ministry and all those priests and lay people that are a part yes. of those, yes. those ministries. Yes, true. Yeah. And I don't know what else is going on in the area because we really haven't talked
0: about it. Once. Well, I have. I have a number of very brief announcements that I would like to... To make, if you don't mind me stealing the limelight from you for a little bit, Gene. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I usually do it all the time, right?
1: Yeah, well. That's probably how you feel. I keep pulling my feet back so you don't step on my toes. <laughs> um, we wanted to, uh, one thing we wanted to
0: say is uh, all of our loyal uh, Red Sea listeners, uh, you may have heard about the synodality process that's going on in the diocese, and there's a survey that you can get at austindiocese.org slash survey. Um go fill that out before January 31st and let your let your voice and uh views be heard. We want uh, we want people like you to uh
1: make your voice heard. It, for those of you that haven't seen this, it's a pretty daunting uh survey. Have you have you seen I, ha- it? I have not. It is like 17 pages of a PDF and there are like eight page six or eight pages of questions and you, they're questions that you have to really think about. Okay. So you got to set aside some
0: time, yes. If you're gonna if you're gonna take that on, yes. Can you? Do you have any sense of if you can send in an incomplete one? Can you just? I have no, fill it out. If you, I have no idea, I know that as you as you can. Can. I need to turn one in here. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, then there's also going to be, and I don't have the date for the one in Temple Dennis, right in front of me, but there's going to be a listening session at St Thomas Aquinas in College Station on February 10th. Correct. And so we would encourage you to go to that. And participate, make your voice heard there.
2: The one in Temple is a little bit sooner. It's on the front page of the Catholic Spirit. And if you uh, Google Synod and Diocese of Tyler, for those of you that are in our Palestine listening area, I'm sure that uh, they will help you uh, in that, that election, That basically that, that effort to to participate in that Synod as well.
1: Speaking of the Spirit, I saw somebody's picture in this this. Most recent spirit the the issue that you're talking about, speaking about our sister radio station here. I, I don't know what you're talking about, Gene. <laughs> they, they, they showed uh, Thaddeus's back when they were talking about KACB, the uh, Spanish language uh, station that's affiliated with Red Sea Radio. Hmm.
2: Yeah, we have a, a Spanish affiliate, 96.9 FM, here in the Bryan College Station area. We're happy to have that on the air and serve the the parishioners at St. Teresa's and any Spanish-speaking uh, non-parishioners and, and community members here in the Bryan College Station area. But the station is owned and operated by St. Teresa's in Bryan. We provide operational services, so therefore it is one of our affiliates for Red Sea Catholic Radio. So we are glad to to share with them more information about uh, what they could put into an article about their station. And so uh, spread the word, tell your friends that are Spanish speaking, 96.9 FM here in the Bryan College Station area.
0: Gene, my, my mother was always very concerned about my posture. Was I was I sitting up straight? Could you tell if I had good posture during that? Oh, you sit like you always do. Okay, I don't know what that means. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> um, moving on. Um, this October 11th, 2022 is going to be the 60th anniversary of the opening of the Second Vatican Council. So this year, uh, one of the one of the focus one of the foci of our can you have multiple fo- foci? I don't think yes, you can. yes you
1: can because if it's you possible? if you you have multiple foci, for example, if you have an ellipse, a, a, uh, yes. a circle has one fo- focus okay. point, and a, a an ellipse
0: has two. Okay. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that, reminding me of that. So one of our foci this year uh, for the Red Sea Apostolate is we're going to dig into and try to learn more about the Second Vatican Council, give you some opportunities to learn more. Uh, Deacon Mike Beauvais and I had a great conversation about it last week on the radio. And something that we're going to start, we're going to launch in uh, February, starting on February 16th, we're going to have a weekly book study that's going to meet uh, here at St. Mary's Catholic Center on Fridays at 1245, Brown Bag It We're going to study the four constitutions of Vatican II. We'll get some registration information up on the website here soon, but wanted to get that out to you. And we're going to also do an evening session uh, the, the, on Mondays. I believe Deacon Mike wanted to do on Mondays, um, at St. Anthony's Catholic Church. And uh, we're going to try to get a session going in Waco, and we'll have more more details the closer that we get. Uh, but I wanted to p- kind of put that out there for people to consider maybe participating in our Vatican II document study starting in February, right before Lent, and then it will carry through Lent and the first part of Easter. It will be an eight-week study keep your eyes peeled for more information about that. Dennis, we want to thank our generous donors to our winter appeal. Right. Again, we had a great response to our winter, uh, giving letter.
2: Yeah. People were very generous. Uh, it, has been a very fruitful year. And I think that is very much a mandate for us to continue moving forward with the great new arms of our apostolate. Uh, Thaddeus just described one thing that we're going to be doing um, as far as the book studies and the spot series and, and some other things that we'll be doing regarding teaching people the real documents of Vatican two and Mm -hmm. not what people kind of wanted to turn Vatican two into for good or for ill. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's something that's often not understood and so we're hoping to unpack that for people but also we're hoping to uh, uh really increase and rejuvenate a lot of parish activities uh, through victory sports yeah. so yeah uh, a lot of great things that are happening through our apostolate not just catholic radio but so much more and yeah you uh, can go to dot victory, victoryyouthsports.org
0: And sign up there to be on the newsletter and info list to be apprised of updates. And you can watch the promo video that we debuted at the benefit dinner, victoryyouthsports.org. And we're looking to have clinics, one-day clinics in March and April to... Yep. get this ball rolling to make to make it a reality.
2: So stay tuned. We're laying down the foundation for that now to make sure it is definitely uh, doable and replicable, uh, not only in our area, but in throughout the diocese and maybe even beyond God willing. So mm-hmm. a lot of great things that are, are scheduled to happen. We uh, pray for those that are still struggling out there with any illnesses, uh, any coronavirus type illnesses and things of that nature. There's a lot going around, folks. So stay safe and stay healthy. Get yourself uh, to the doctor and get checked out if you need be. So early treatment is always the, the key. And keep listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. Yeah. Uh,
1: I've got one more item that uh, yes, sir. I would like to mention. And uh, we will have uh, someone on next week who will tell us more about it. This is the Men's Conference, mm-hmm. the Central Texas Fellowship of Catholic Men's Men's Conference. You can get tickets at centexcatholic.com. And uh, it will be on Saturday February nineteenth, twenty twenty two, at San Jose Catholic Church in Austin. You took the words right out of my mouth,
0: Gene. Thank you for thank you for announcing the men's conference. Awesome. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I
1: didn't mean to. Take no, it's the... perfect. February nineteenth. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chris Stefanik, Doctor mm-hmm. Ansel Augustine, and Kevin Cotter are the primary speakers at this. I've been to one or two of these, and they're really good good conferences. Yes, there. We always have a table
0: and a presence there. We're going to live broadcast from there again. Like we uh, like we have in the
1: past, so we're we're looking forward to it. And I'm sure that if you contact some of the men's ministries in your local parish, there may be caravans or carpooling going on to mm-hmm. go to Austin. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to mention is Saturday,
0: January 22nd, is the Texas Rally for Life at the state capitol. We're going to be carrying that feed uh, with spe- speakers and uh, coverage of it from the Texas Alliance for Life and those other. Uh, Groups, and we encourage you to listen, maybe encourage you to go and participate. They're also doing a diaper drive uh, at the Texas Alliance for Life. Look for information uh, about more about that on our PSAs, but that's from 1 to 3 on January 22nd, Saturday, at the State Capitol. Okay. What else we got today? I think that's it. I think we're going to have Peter Herbeck on, right?
1: Right. Peter Herbeck right after this. Was in the grave. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and my guest today is Peter Herbeck, who is with Renewal Ministries. Good morning, Peter.
3: Good morning, Gene. Good to be with you.
1: Good to be with you. I, I hope that it's uh, comfortable where you are. You're up in Ann Arbor, correct?
3: I uh, am. Yeah. yeah, I'm in Ann Arbor working at my desk.
1: And uh, we we're complaining here about the weather that we've been having lately, and it's been like forty three degrees for a low this morning, and and I'm sure that uh, we don't know anything about cold weather. It's been brutal, Peter.
3: <laughs> yeah, it'd be a heat wave up here. <laughs>
1: Uh, Peter is going to talk to us about the Charismatic Renewal today, and Peter, is uh, Renewal Ministries is is associated with the Charismatic Renewal, and I don't remember what your role is at at Renewal Ministries. Uh, Peter, would you refresh my memory?
3: Yeah, I'm the um, Executive uh, Vice President of the ministry and uh, Director of our International Mission work, and along with Ralph Martin, who is the President, uh, Founder, we've been together... Working really since uh, 1990, uh, and uh, you know, doing combination television. We have a couple of television programs. One on EWTN. We have da- I have a daily radio show, um, Fire on the Earth. It's called with on Avi Maria Radio. We do lots of uh, YouTube videos. We do lots of parish missions. We do lots of priest convocations and working uh, annually in about 40 different countries around the world on. Uh, promoting renewal and evangelization, working with bishops, priests, and lay people on the ground in Eastern Europe, Africa, Asia, the Middle East, India, uh, places like that. And we've been doing that for the last 30 years and done about a thousand international missions and been slowed down by COVID, international travel. So hoping to, uh, you know, slowly moving out of no travel into more selective, careful travel. So...
1: Well, tell me, tell us a little bit about what is the Charismatic Renewal? You know, there are a lot of people that have an idea of what it is and think it's a bunch of emotional fanatics who are rolling around on the floor or something like that and pretending to be Catholic. So yeah. what is the Charismatic yeah. Renewal in the Catholic Church?
3: Well, the, the Charismatic Renewal is, I guess, properly understood um, historically as a movement that emerged within the Church. Its focus is on the renewal of the, the language the recent popes have put on it in terms of uh, uh, discerning the movement, like Pope Paul VI first, and then St. John Paul II, Pope Benedict Sixteenth said, we're experiencing the grace of a new Pentecost. And what does that mean? It means uh, at the heart of it is uh, a shared experience by individuals in the movement who've experienced what uh, the Acts of the Apostles describes, uh, and uh, yeah. The first uh, chapter of Acts describes as the baptism in the Spirit, which everybody who's baptized into Jesus Christ in baptism is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Everybody who's baptized receives the gift of the Holy Spirit, becoming a new creation. And part of that reality is meant to be the actual experience and reality the apostles themselves experienced, which was the fulfillment on, on Pentecost itself. St. Peter came out of the upper room with the apostles, and everybody was aware that something very different had happened to these men. And Peter said, what you're seeing is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. It's right there in Acts chapter 2, where he said that uh, the Lord said, Joel said that uh, the day was coming when uh, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, and young, their young men will dream dreams, their old men will see visions. Uh, There will be prophecies and the rest. So what ended up happening was on the day of Pentecost that the endowment of Jesus, the risen one at the right hand of the father, who is the Messiah, the one who's anointed with the Holy spirit. He said, you know, wait in the upper room. He told the apostles and you shall receive power when the Holy spirit comes upon you. And then you shall be my witnesses. And one of the dimensions of the power that was given to the apostles was not just their, Their apostolic authority as the first bishops of the church, which is the institutional reality that Jesus established, but also they manifested the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the kind of things Jesus himself did. And so we see then the apostles through the Acts of Apostles, signs, wonders, um, you know, people they prayed with, they proclaimed the gospel to, often prophesied or they spoke in, in tongues. Paul taught about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 and Romans and other places, Ephesians, the reality of the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what the movement is, is a a grace. Here's what uh, uh, Pope Francis described it as. Speaking to the leaders uh, in 2014 uh, gathered in Italy of the movement, he said this. He said, you, the charismatic renewal, have received a great gift from God. Your movement's birth." was willed by the Holy Spirit to be a current of grace in the church and for the church. The charismatic renewal is a great force to serve the preaching of the gospel in the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I expect you to share with everyone in the church the grace of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what is so he's putting his finger on it, that it's a move of God, it's a current of grace, at the heart of that is this grace of the baptism in the Spirit, which is really the, the coming to fuller fruition and the emergence of what we've received in baptism and the activation of spiritual gifts in the life of the believer. And at the heart of it is as a deep and profound encounter of the person of Jesus as Lord and knowing him in a deep and personal encounter. That language kind of emerged also in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Uh, not exclusively by any means, but re- very present there. And so I think those are the dimensions of it. And just one last thing Pope uh, John Paul II, in a very famous uh, gathering in 1998, the year of the Holy Spirit, he called it, he gathered together the various movements in the church and lay movements in the church primarily. And almost 500,000 people gathered with him on that day. And he said something that was very important. Um, basing it on the council, Second Vatican Council, basing it on um, some of the, his teaching from um, the uh, document on the laity. He said that at the council, and he was a member of the council, he said that the, the bishops of the world rediscovered the charismatic dimension of the church as being coessential with the institutional dimension that makes up her essence. What does that mean? Big words, 25-cent words, you know? What's he saying? He said, what is the institutional dimension? The institutional dimension is the physical reality of what Jesus established uh, in the world, the church, the bishops, right, the sacraments, uh, the or- ordination, all this. That this, this is the, these are the essential institutional expressions of the church, the apostolic succession and all that. John Paul is saying... From the beginning that has been established, but also from the beginning has been the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all those who are baptized into Christ. And there's a charismatic dimension of that where each of the baptized come into the fuller anointing of Christ to engage the mission of the church in exercising spiritual gifts each of us have been given for building up the body and moving the church in the direction of her mission of making disciples of all nations. So that's kind of a, you know, a, the theological interpretation, understanding and discernment that was communicated to the movement, the guidance given to it by the, the, the poet, recent popes. Um, and then the essence of it is that experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, so, I- I hope that wasn't too long. No, that's
1: fine. (laughs) Uh, I just want to remind our guests that you're listening to either KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 in Central Texas, or KINF 107.9 FM in Palestine. And uh, you might be listening to us streaming online at redsearadio.org. If you have a question or comment for Peter Herbeck, I would invite you to call eight five love red sea. That's eight five five six eight three seven three three two. So, Peter, what you're telling us is that the charismatic renewal is is uh, authentically Catholic. Uh, what is the relationship with the charismatic renewal and the Catholic Church?
3: Um, so the the. The charismatic renewal is it's interesting there's there's a whole range of movements in the church and uh that have happened historically even like the franciscans when they began was a movement they became more formalized in the life of the church and every movement has a, has a founder you could say this person founded it the charismatic renewal is different than that there is no one founder who founded the movement because it started emerging all over the world in different places on different continents Uh, many clergy and the rest. So as this movement emerged, then the bishops who have the primary responsibility of discerning the movement, they discern whether, you know, it's authentically a God thing, it's from God or not. And so beginning with the recent popes, that that happened, that discernment. So the relationship with the Catholic Church is to say, you the baptized who are having this common shared experience those who have the responsibility for discerning that move of God that you say you're experiencing are saying, yes, this is a grace of God, and you are members of the church, and what you're experiencing is your baptismal graces and your confirmation graces. So coming to a, a greater fullness and expression. So uh, what, on a fundamental level, what is its relationship to the Catholic Church? Is It's a movement within the Catholic Church itself. And it's a movement which aims at its own extinction. What does that mean? A move, Movements emerge in the church historically to simply witness to the church a grace and a reality that belongs to the whole church. So um, this grace of, of new Pentecost, as Pope John Paul called it, you know, he said the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the renewal of the grace of Pentecost. Well, the grace of Pentecost is for every single Catholic. So. Uh, but there's many people who are baptized who have never have never had any awareness of spiritual gifts in their life they they have no understanding of what they are they're big you know despite what paul said you know when he teaches on them he said i would have it that you not be ignorant of spiritual gifts brothers and sisters you know well the reality is i do i do parish missions all over the country and i often ask how many of you know what spiritual gifts are you know and how many of you are able to identify the spiritual gifts you've been given. And it's really shocking to see how few people, the numbers are very small, of people who even understand what I'm talking about or what I'm asking them of. Now, that's been changing more and more because this, the work of this movement and leaders in the movement. And so I'd say um, it's Catholic by virtue of the fact that people who are baptized and confirmed in the Catholic Church, uh, who are in good standing with the Church, who are active practicing Catholics, under the discernment and guidance of the Pope and the bishops, uh, like the, the, the National Bishops' Conferences all over the world, have, made, have recognized the Catholic Charismatic Renewal and made formal statements to that reality, as well as dioces, dioceses around the world and the like. So that's its relationship. And uh, Ralph Martin, ironically, my partner, uh, established years ago, I can't remember what year it was, probably the early 70s, Uh, the International Office for the Catholic Charismatic Renewal at the Vatican. And so that operated as a guide under the leadership of bishops there, and lay leaders who were doing the work on the ground, of guiding the movement internationally. That's why they established it in Rome, because it was happening all over the world, and they wanted some kind of guidance and good theological direction and stuff coming from there. Now, uh, that was the form it took up until Pope Francis. And now what Pope Francis has done is he, he's created an, an organization called, an institution in Rome called um, uh, Caris, And that he brought together uh, the, the broad Catholic charismatic renewal movement and um, some communities and forms of community life that emerged historically in this larger movement that were more organized, higher degrees of commitment um, f- focusing on specific missions and things, and they were called Covenant Communities and the like. There were two, two organizations in Rome, and he brought those two together. And so and that's kind of the current structure.
1: What you're saying is that uh, authentically Catholic Charismatic uh folks or groups organizations prayer meetings or communities are submitted to the local bishop and to, and to Rome and if i remember correctly uh sure. th- yeah. those communities or that or group of communities has been given a, a special cate- i don't know what the category is called uh it's not like a religious order but it is something similar to that that the that the Vatican um, has given them right
3: yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the recognizable a movement of the associations of the faithful is what they call it. You know, it's some of the more formal institutionalized models of this. I mean, the movement is still a fluid current of grace. That's why Pope Francis wanted to describe it to say, look, the heart of this thing and how it get how it has emerged across the world is it's a movement of the spirit that the church recognizes And then out of that movement, because people have come alive in their faith, they become apostolic, many of them, you know, they're engaging the mission of the church, they have all kinds of different roles, individuals in the church, and that's a good thing. But what also has emerged is um, specific organizations of communities, as I described, and certain other smaller forms that happen out of that movement, and they have, some of them have particular statuses that they sought from Rome like formal associations of the faithful and and that kind of thing so
1: there there are there are charismatic communities in several cities around this country correct uh, yeah, there's you one. Bet, yeah. There, there's one in Dallas, I believe, and I, mm-hmm. and I don't. I think it's called
3: the Community of God's Delight, like, at least historically. I think that's what it was yeah. called. Yeah,
1: and I don't remember where all the others are. There, there have been some. There's been one in Ann Arbor at one point in time, I believe.
3: Yep, the Word of God. Yeah,
1: and I yep. believe there's the Augusta Community, which I don't remember what they were called, and one in Phoenix, uh, one in Balt.
3: Hallelujah! Community is what it's called in Augusta, and there's one in South Bend called the People of Praise. That's And some of these covenant communities, they have existed around the world, and they form networks of support together, you know, so they occasionally the leaders get together annually and support each other. And then there's, you know, some major ones that emerged in Europe, like in France, the um, Emmanuel community, lots of priestly vocations have come out of that. And they've worked very close with Rome in doing all kinds of different missions and outreaches around the world, a very, very impressive community of people. But yeah, those are just some of the forms in which it's taken more institutionally.
1: In in, in this country, uh, was it at Duquesne University, a group of uh, college students got together, and that's sort of the beginnings of the charismatic renewal in this country? Would you care to expound on that a little bit?
2: Yes.
3: In 1967, uh, there were a small group of students who were being led on a retreat by two of their professors, And um, they were studying the Acts of the Apostles in Acts 2. And one of the things they were looking at was how both what happened on on the day of Pentecost, but also how much it changed people's lives and how much in the Acts of the Apostles, these common experiences of of the the, uh, exercise of spiritual gifts and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in life and ministry in a very personal way was happening in people's lives. So they, they prayed about that on that weekend. Uh, and studied that, studied and discussed it and things. And at one point, I think it was during a break, uh, one of the leaders or one of the student leaders just went up into the chapel uh, to kneel down in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And um, and as he did, uh, he just fell to his knees and felt the tremendous kind of flowing of the Holy Spirit in him in a way he never had before. And he began to pray. He began to pray out loud. He began to pray in, in tongues, as Paul describes. You know, in a prayer called prayer language that Paul describes. Um, and the um, and then another student came in, and the same thing happened. And then the, a number of the other students who were there and the teachers came in, and they many of them were touched very deeply by the Holy Spirit in a way that totally transformed their lives. And uh, Patty Mansfield uh, was there, and Patty's become. One of the one of the leading figures internationally, historically in the movement, uh, a major teacher in the movement. Uh, when uh, she was, uh, when John Paul II had that um, gathering, uh, that big international gathering of movements in Rome, she was right there, kind of front and center, um, and has been a key representative for the movement and an articulator of the core of that grace. And so she's written a bunch of books as. As Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin emerged early on, he and other friends who graduated from Notre Dame. He, I think he was working on his doctorate in Princeton at the time and um, he uh, was touched by this same grace uh, for Ralph. It came through a crusoe, Uh but the, um, a, a series of leaders emerged around the country at the time and around the world and they eventually came together in meetings in Rome and they met with Paul VI, they met with John Paul II, they met with Pope Benedict XVI, Um, really for the purpose of helping the Holy Father understand the the status of the movement and its growth, and then to receive input, which they always did. And these are published, the things the Pope said. There's an interesting book, I think you can still get on Amazon, called Then Peter Stood Up, and in it are texts of talks that the recent Popes gave directly to the Catholic Charismatic Renewal and its leadership for guidance, for encouragement, and that, so...
1: If I remember correctly, then, too, almost from the very beginning, the Vatican had assigned somebody as a representative uh, to the charismatic renewal. Of, and as I recall, it, the, er, one of the earlier ones was Cardinal Sunens of Belgium. And then yeah. this cardinal called Joseph Ratzinger was uh, very deeply involved in the charismatic renewal before he became pope.
3: Yeah. uh, At the beginning, Cardinal Sunens was the first one, and he had a very close relationship with Pope Paul VI. And um, it's interesting, in 1975, the movement began, as you said, in Duquesne on the Catholic side from 1967, and it it started to just grow. It was growing all around the world at the same time. And then in 1975, it was the first time that uh, the movement had a had a, held a co- international conference in Rome, in St. Peter's. Um, at the time, there were less than a million people in the movement, and they had a leaders' conference there. And at that meeting was the first time that the Pope, the Pope came into St. Peter's, 10,000 people there. Those are back in the day when the Pope came in on the chair still. And um, Paul VI came in, and, and sitting in front of the high altar, In Rome, he began to talk to the movement leaders there, 10,000 people, as I was mentioning. And that's where the first time there was a public address face-to-face with the Pope and the Pope saying, this is who you are. This is who I recognize who you are. Here's what you're called to do. Here's what you should be careful about, you know, these kinds of things. And then after that meeting, he asked the Cardinal Sunens, more formally, I think he was already involved in guiding, but continued to ha- ask him to be a shepherd of that movement to keep him informed about how it was moving internationally. And then Cardinal Sunnens at that meeting asked Ralph Martin and his family and some members from the Ann Arbor community here to move to Belgium to live with him and help him guide the international work of, of the movement. And so he did that for five years Ralph lived, and they traveled all over the world for five years, just trying to just Africa, India, Asia, all over the place, just to meet the emerging leaders that and the key bishops in these countries where the movement was was rising up. And so, um, and then out of that, Ralph Martin wrote a book called Crisis of Truth, which kind of began his whole ministry um, here in 1980. So, yeah, so I think that's the that's one of the key it was one of the key early leaders, and of course. Uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, as as he was the uh, head of the Secret Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, he would often, you know, give counsel to movements, including the Charismatic Renewal, and was close to them. John Paul II was very close to them, and Ralph Martin himself met numerous times just personally with the the Holy Father, as did other leaders within the movement. um, I
1: I have seen pictures of Ralph Martin with uh, Pope John Paul. You can find them if you look. Uh, I want to interrupt just a second here again to remind our listeners that you're listening to either KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 FM in Central Texas, or KINF 107.9 FM in Ballastine. If you have a question or comment for Ralph or or anybody here, uh, I invite you to call 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. Uh, I I was I'm uh, doing a little research on this I was kind of amazed that uh some of the people in the church that we recognize um uh, and really admire are charismatic and I didn't realize that Cardinal Contala Mesa, the preacher to the uh, to the uh the papal preacher uh is 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 uh, uh, acknowledged that he is a charismatic
3: Oh yeah very yeah very strong leader there and he's the very things he teaches in the Charismatic Renewal, he um, it comes out in the talks that he gives every Lent and Advent, some of those, not every single time, but some of those key talks, he gives, um, he preaches, he's the official preacher to the papal household for over 30 years, and so that assignment for him meant in Lent and in Advent, he would do a series of talks, reflections for the Pope and for his key collaborators, the key cardinals and collaborators with the Pope. And so, like, just last year, I think it was maybe the year before, he gave very in-depth teaching to all the cardinals and the Pope on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, um, these kinds of things, and the effect that the, the charismatic renewal and other movements have had. So he's, yeah, he's very clear. He's a fantastic teacher. So, I mean, I would recommend anybody who wants to do a deeper dive into understanding the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, there's a lot of information online from Cardinal Sunan, uh, excuse me, from um, Cardinal Mesa, his talks to the Curia, but also books he's written that have been very helpful. There's a very good book written by uh, two priest scholars, Father George Montague, who's from Texas, and uh, Father Killian McDonald, who wrote a book on the, they studied the role of the charisms in the life of the early church in the first eight centuries. And they talked about it as being a part of the public liturgy of the church in the first eight centuries of the church. This is why John Paul II said the Second Vatican Council, the bishops of the council, rediscovered the charismatic dimension of the church. Now, the Holy Spirit was never separate from the church, and that's not what he meant. You know, the church is the primary place of the sacraments and the Holy Spirit's presence in the sacraments. That's not what he was referring to, because this is the—that's the institutional dimension, the core institutional forming reality of the church there. But he was talking about these spiritual gifts and charisms and the grace of Pentecost being experienced personally in the lives of people. He said that's what they're seeing as being rediscovered, and this is where the movements have flourished from, and this one in particular. So,
1: well, it sounds to me as though some of what you're saying is that. Uh, the Spirit is there, and that somehow it 's either gotten buried or imprisoned or ignored in a lot of people,
3: yeah, or just yeah it 's not been fully awakened there 's just more there for the baptized there 's much more there now you think about the confirmation, for example, confirmation is the you know the completion of the process of initiation, you know kind of full participation in the life of the church. And you become soldiers of Christ and it's praying for these spiritual gifts from Isaiah. Um, and uh, it's, it's meant to be this completion, but for most people and diocese after diocese will say this, especially in the West, the confirmation is not a fuller entry in, it's the exit door out. It's the last time the, you see the majority of the people. And, um, many, many of the of people who've been confirmed would say, have been interviewed by specific guys, you know, said, what can you remember about your confirmation? A lot of people said, well, you know, we had a good meal and got dressed up. It was this. But in terms of really coming into a deeper fullness and experiencing the grace of Pentecost, it almost never happens. Now, did something objective happen there? Yes, it did. Did people with a willing heart receive a sacrament there? Yes, it did. Yes, they did. That's not in question. But the question is, is the full endowment that we've been given in baptism and confirmation, um, is it flourishing in our lives? Are people coming into a deeper encounter with Jesus? Are they coming and living under his lordship? Are they producing the fruits of the Holy—is God producing the fruits of the Holy Spirit in their lives? Are they exercising the spiritual gifts they've been given to take their place in helping build up the body into maturity— Um, Do they even know what those are? Are they learning how to, you know, worship God with all fullness? Like Paul says, you know, in Ephesians, he said, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and sing and make melody to the Lord together with one heart. You know, the freedom to praise and the freedom to sing of God's glory and to communicate that. Are they engaging the Great Commission? Are they communicating the gospel? Are they not only living it, but are they sharing the gospel with other people? Clearly, one of the characteristics of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal has been to become awakened to the realities that I'm describing, deeper prayer life, deeper intimacy with Jesus, deeper unity, um, and a deep passion for the mission of the Church. It really does have, as Pope Francis described, it really has been a great force to serve the preaching of the Gospel and uh, this current of grace. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the first agent of the church's mission. You know, uh, Pope Benedict reminded us that the endpoint, some way, of Jesus' entire mission was to pour out the Holy Spirit. That's why he took on human flesh. He was the anointed Messiah. He made it possible for human beings to have their sins forgiven in baptism and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the outpouring of the Spirit for the mission of the church being led by in power. You know, Jesus said, you shall receive power, not like, here's a good idea, go do this. It's like, no, not only is the idea there and the conviction for it, but there's power to go forward in the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, you know, without me, you can't do anything. And so the building of the kingdom of God and the fulfillment of the great commission uh, is really at the heart of this grace of a new Pentecost that's being taught. So the first Pentecost led to an evangelization what uh, this new grace of this new Pentecost, as the Pope's described it, is meant to be something that fuels the Church's mission to seek and save the lost. So, what, to be united deeply with God and evangelization.
1: So, what the the, the, uh, the charismatic lifestyle is different from uh, pew-warming Catholic?
3: I think in many ways, oh yeah, for sure it is. I mean, I think about my own life. I grew up in a family, one of seven kids. My dad was, my parents were, you know great generation people. My dad was an old tank commander, Patton's Third Army, Battle of the Bulge. He could speak fluent German. He was at the, the Liberation of Mauthausen concentration camp. He was, you know, this kind of stuff. So he's that. he was that generation. We lived one block from the cathedral parish in our diocese, went to Catholic schools. Um, but we were, I think, a very typical family. Uh, we battled, you know, my dad battled alcoholism for years in his life and finally got broke in and helped us in a way that he was able to be sober for 20 years. But we, nothing changed in our lives. My siblings, my older siblings, um, the 70s was happening. And as they left the house and on to college or different things, they were many of them drifting away from the faith. And like a lot of people are now, but one of my siblings got had an experience of getting baptized in the Holy Spirit in her parish, in a small little Bible study prayer group, and it radically changed her life. And she came home and began to share it with us. And I was like, where did you come from? I mean, she's like, Jesus is alive. He's present. You know, he wants us, he wants to be the center of our family life. And he wants to bring healing to dad. And he wants us to, all of us to come and live with him. And this I was like, wow. I mean, we never, we had conversations in our family we never had before. And uh, one by one, my siblings and I, all of us came to the Lord in a very radical way. And I mean, I really, by radical, I just mean wholehearted way. And, and all of us got baptized in the Holy Spirit, every single one of us. And my dad got healed. The Lord healed my dad. And he was sober for 20 years, the best years of his life. He was a city councilman in the town that he loved, and he helped the church immensely, uh, you know, in many ways. He was a successful businessman and things. And so the whole faith came alive in a way that, none of us had ever experienced up until that time in our lives and we said this is real this is very real and uh we're so grateful for it and we've now raised our kids and passed it on to our kids and our kids are engaged most of the kids most when mom died uh, she died after dad they had 73 children grandchildren great-grandchildren and great great-grandchildren and most of them are actively engaged in the faith. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? my guess I would today it to this My guest today is Peter Herbeck from uh, Renewal Ministries. Peter, let's change gears just a little bit. We've got about eight and a half minutes left. Uh, I want to talk about Renewal Ministries and how it's serving people who are interested in the charismatic renewal or trying to keep the charismatic life uh, alive. Uh, So can you tell us what Renewal Ministries is and maybe talk a little bit about Ralph Martin and some of the things that he does for the church? uh, Because uh, he's a pretty remarkable man.
3: Yeah, so um, Ralph, the Lord brought Ralph and I together in um, in a formal way in 1990. We happened to be attending a meeting together of two 3,000 people in Detroit. We just went to hear a speaker there, uh, a really gifted uh, teacher of the scriptures. And, and while we were there, a couple, a handful of people, leaders there, prayed with us. We didn't know any of the, who those people were. We just knew they were mature leaders in different ways. And I'm just saying this because of the the charismatic dimension of how our we were brought together and how renewal ministries got launched a couple of people said they had a prophetic word for us as they were praying and said the lord's going to start opening doors around the world for you Uh, this is 1989 1990 um, and the lord's going to launch you into places around the world he's going to bring people alongside you uh, that are going to come to you and the lord wants you to uh, to help them continue this mission across the world that god's going to do through you and they said god's going to open doors don't try to open them yourself he's going to show you so we're driving home and i said well ralph what what do you think of that and he goes yeah he said he certainly experienced the lord but he said you know scripture's pretty clear don't despise prophecy but test everything and cling to what is good I said, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, how do you, what do we do there? And so well, let's get together once a week and just pray. So we, early morning, Wednesday morning, Sister Ann Shields and some other friends came together. We'd pray, and each week we'd do this and try to listen, and is anybody hearing anything? And then I, one, one, I'd ask that at the end of every time we prayed, and most days people said, no, was no, just have peaceful prayer. And at one point, Sister Ann Shields said, yeah, she said, I think you're supposed to go to Lithuania and Ukraine.
1: And this, said, this you this know is, anybody there? This is about the time that the Soviet Union was crumbling, correct
3: yeah, right, right. And I said, do you know anybody there? She said, no. I said, Ralph, do you know anybody? And she, he said, no. I said, okay, what do you do with that? He said, well, don't despise prophecy. Test everything. Cling to what is good. Long story short, two weeks later, Ralph gets a call from a bishop in Lithuania who had been um, running an underground Catholic newspaper during communist time in Lithuania as a Jesuit priest. He got turned in by a KGB priest collaborator, and he got sent to the Gulag. And while he was in the gulag, the Lord touched him very deeply. He got out when the wall went down in 1990, 8990. John Paul II made him the bishop of the cultural center of that country, Lithuania, in a place called Kaunas, not the capital, but in the cultural center. And, um, and so he, he pulled his priests together for the first time in 51 years. The priests were able to meet with their bishop without the KGB being present. And he said, brothers, we need to re-evangelize our people. He said, we don't know how to do that. Um, we need help. And he was asking around as Americans were coming to help rebuild the country, where can I get help? They said, you know, two young people who visited Steubenville, a Lithuanian said, talk to Father Michael Scanlon and Ralph Martin. And so while we're praying in Ann Arbor, Michigan, trying to discern whether these prophetic words were real or not, including Sister Ann's, Ralph gets a call from this bishop saying, this is who I am. I need you to come to Lithuania. This door is open. Help us in re-evangelizing our country. So that's how we got launched.
1: Mm-hmm. So, now, so Ralph, tell us a little bit what Ralph Martin does. He has two very important right. jobs that, besides right. running Renewal he's, Ministries, doesn't
3: he? Yeah, he's the chair of the um, uh, New Evangelization at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit. Uh, and so what that is, it's a, uh, an STL degree, a license in sacred theology. He's the chair of that. Um, he's been doing that. And then, uh, of course, he's written lots of, lots of important books. Um, and um, so I'm not sure what else you have in mind. So well, he,
1: he, has a, uh, he has a job from the Vatican, too, doesn't he?
3: Uh, no, he, but he's been called by the Vatican to come and to attend important meetings like papal synods and stuff like that. He did one on the new evangelization. And he, for years, he's been asked to come there for different things, to, for counsel and discussion. But he doesn't have a formal... Okay. Uh, position there okay. right now.
1: Now, tell, me a little, tell us a little bit about Renewal Ministries. If someone is hearing this and saying, I need to know more about the charismatic renewal and, and what's going on, and I might be interested in learning more about a charismatic lifestyle, how can Renewal Ministries help, what, and how could they get a hold of you?
3: Uh, you can go to our website at renewalministries.net, uh, you can learn more about us by just browsing the website. There's a lot of information there and all our contact information is there. You can just contact us directly. I'd also recommend that you look up caris the national office for caris C-H-A-R-I-S in, uh, I think it's probably in Washington. Uh, they have a responsibility of helping oversee the charismatic, you know, I'd recommend people getting in touch with the university of Steubenville still has a lot of national reach. In working with uh, people and helping promote the Catholic Charismatic Renewal as one dimension of what they, what's going on on campus, there down in your neck of the woods, Houston has a uh, the a Charismatic statewide Charismatic office and, and ministry center down there that people down there can get in touch with. They also have a lot of information. Uh, the companions of, uh, companions of the Cross are a religious order of priests from Canada, but they're also stationed here in the United States that are charismatic. They're a charismatic religious order. Uh, getting in touch with them is also a place where you can find people to help direct you to get more knowledge. There's opportunities, I think, in many parts of the country to get plugged in if you want to be plugged in more in some way.
1: Well, one of the things that Renewal Ministries has also is that, that you can sign up for a weekly uh, email with podcasts and things of that nature. And yep. Uh, yep. I've listened to some of of Ralph's uh, podcast, and uh, he doesn't pull any punches, does he?
3: Mm. No, I mean, I think the thing that we're called to do specifically in Renewal Ministries, we don't exist just to promote the the Charismatic Renewal Movement. We've we've come out of that movement and been deeply touched by it and believe in the grace in it, but we're, we're focusing ourselves primarily on evangelization, the Great Commission, helping Catholics get equipped to do that, and to read the signs of the times and what is the Spirit saying to the church to help people really hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in these difficult, challenging times so they can cooperate with the Lord's work. And they can participate because the Lord wants all of his people to be a part of the solution in the needs of our time and not to be on the sidelines, but to be engaged deeply in the mission of the church.
1: Talk a little bit about Intentional Disciples, which is one part of Renewal Ministries, and then we've got about a half a minute after that, so keep it as yeah, brief as you okay, can. Okay,
3: so yeah, Intentional Disciples is uh, means I, it's focused on identity, to be intentional disciple. It's, it's an outreach to young people in their 20s and 30s, helping them engage the call to come follow Jesus as his disciples. That's the heart of it. And so you can access that also on our website and all the different things that you're doing. We also have outreaches to high school age young girls and boys. Uh, one's called Zion for the Boys and the Girls. It's the Be Love Revolution. Very dynamic outreach, especially on the Be Love Revolution side. But you can find that information on our website as well. We do lots of parish missions. And if you'd like a parish mission, you can contact us. And uh, yeah, so. Okay.
1: Uh, Again, my guest today has been Peter Herbeck. And Peter, I'm very happy to have had you as my guest. One more time, your website is renewalministries.net. Is that correct?
3: Yep, renewalministries.net. Yeah, and if they forget it, all I have to do is Google Ralph Martin or Peter Herbeck, and it'll take you right
1: there. Okay. Thank you so much, Peter. Uh, Again, folks, uh, I want to remind you that when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth, always round up.
3: Since you
0: wake up this dead man walking
1: Shake off rumors and talking